Hello, and welcome to the official podcast of Bishop Malcolm Smith. These teachings are recorded live each week and provided not only here on the podcast, but at youtube.com. Simply go to youtube.com and look for Malcolm Smith webinars in the search engine there. We also want to invite you to go to www.malcolmsmith.org. There you will find other teachings by Malcolm, including books, videos, and MP3 downloads. And now, with this week's teaching, Bishop Malcolm Smith. The Lord be with you. I want to share with you something that has been dancing inside of me these last few days, and it is taken from a story that I I know that all of you are at least aware of. It's found in John chapter 11. It's the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. And I just want to read verses here and there. Verse 25 in John chapter 11, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And then he comes to the tomb. And in in, um, verse 34... It says, and Jesus said, where have you laid him? Where's this cave that he is in? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. What a picture. Jesus wept. God in our flesh was in anguish and tears flowed down his cheeks in the presence of the death of his friend Lazarus. Verse 36, the Jews said, see how he loved him. And then uh, verse 38, then Jesus again groaning, weeping in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against the entrance. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. Then Jesus prayed. Verse 43, now when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, loose him, let him go. Now, let me begin by stating as firmly as I know how that that happened in our time-space history. That is a story out of the life history of Jesus, and it really happened, okay? But Jesus used it. There, There were some of the miracles of Jesus, and John, in his gospel, captures those that uh, it was a genuine miracle. Please, I I must say that again. This is not just a a sort of a fairy story to enable Jesus to say something. No, it really happened. But Jesus took the entire incident beyond raising Lazarus from the dead and used it as the opportunity to reveal himself himself. I am the resurrection and the life. That is, I am the source of another kind of life that conquers death and lives a life that does not have the clawing hands of death in it. I am the resurrection. I am, you see, he doesn't merely have it. He doesn't merely give it. He says he is it. He is the resurrection and the life. And in so doing then includes us. 
He speaks of all those who would believe and, and how resurrection would take place within us as we believe that is the Christian life. And so he uses this miracle of raising Lazarus to look beyond into our lives and our resurrection from death. And that, that's, uh, that's how I'm approaching this story. But quickly, what is the story? Lazarus had um, a, a disease that uh, it, it's uh, something of the east of tropical times where um, he, he caught it and was dead within a couple of days. And they had sent a message to Jesus, but Jesus did not come to heal him. And so he waited until Lazarus was dead and then began his journey to this place. And as he comes and he talks to the sisters, Martha and Mary, and, and announces to them what we've just said, I am the resurrection and the life. And he, he took them beyond the, the raising of Lazarus to, to living a life that participated in his life, his being resurrection, his being life. Now, Lazarus had died. Lazarus had died four days previous. They did not embalm a body in those days they wrapped it in what is usually called grave clothes or a tomb dress, uh, and it was strips of cloth, and it would be wound around the body. Something like, at least to look at, it would be something like a mummy where, where the entire body was wrapped in this, this cloth, and it went all the way down, and so that the the feet were enclosed as well as the the hands, and um, around the head was another cloth, and, and so they they lay that body wrapped in grave clothes on a ledge inside the cave, and then they take these enormous stones that took. Uh, something like 10 to 15 men getting their shoulders behind it to move it and they would roll that across the entrance of the tomb okay the man is dead he's really dead and as Martha points out so pointedly that decomposition has started to take place in that, that hard humid atmosphere it, it was already on its way, and, and she says, don't, don't touch the stone, don't open the cave, because by this time the stench of a decomposing body. Get that picture very clearly in your head. The, the people are milling around. They are the mourners who have come to comfort Martha and Mary. And Jesus, in the presence of that death, he weeps. Jesus, the true man, feeling the horror of death that mankind was never intended to experience. He's come to that very moment when, when, when mankind deliberately turned into death. In the day you eat thereof, it was in the Garden of Eden, you shall surely die and die at the deepest recesses of his being to the outermost cells of his body. Death became normal for, for the human. Jesus then prays, and, and it's a beautiful prayer, which we could spend a long time on. But having prayed, he then gave that great reverberating shout that went through the valley of these caves. Lazarus, he called him by name. Let, let me say this is very interesting because Jesus had raised the dead on prior occasions. There was the time when he raised Jairus's daughter. Do you remember that one? Jairus's daughter. And he went to the house and he took her by the hand as she lay dead upon the bed and, and said, Daughter, arise. He did not mention her name. 
And then, do you remember, he interrupted a funeral procession for the widow of the city of Nain and raised her son from the dead and addressed the dead body as young man. So this time he speaks the name. And when you use someone's name, you are looking at them as more than just part of the general crowd of humanity. You are looking at them as the unique person they are. You're looking at them as the bearer of a name that separates them off from all other human beings. Lazarus. That, that, there's only one of them. Unique fingerprints. Lazarus. And speaking a name uh, unites you to the person. The... In, in many countries, uh, one does not give one's first name. Actually, it, when I was uh, being raised in England, one was very, what, loath or we, we did not quickly, anyway, give our first name. That was reserved for our closest friends. They knew our name. It was as if giving one's name was to invite a person into your very self. Uh, to give one's name was to open up, become vulnerable. You were not just one of the mob. You, you, you had divulged your name and given permission to use it. There's something of that in the Scripture. Names had great meaning to people in the Scripture. Jesus was the friend of Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. He went there to escape the crowds. There was a bond there. And he now calls his friend. He speaks with a love that is weeping as he speaks at the very presence of this hideous death. And he speaks the name Lazarus and says, Come forth. Now, upon those words being uttered and entering into the stinking darkness of the cave, uh, the miracles that happened there, first of all, Lazarus was brought back to life. Physical life re-entered into the organs, the cells, the atomic structure of his body, and he was alive. But he was not merely alive, but he was completely healed of the disease that had killed him. He went to death with the disease. But when he was raised from the dead, he was free of that disease. But also there's something else here which is sort of overlooked, and I don't know if anyone else would necessarily agree with me, and I'm quite open to whatever they say about it, but you see, he was laying, Lazarus was laying on a slab inside the cave, and he was bound in those grave clothes. You couldn't move. And yet it says that he came forth and stood at, right there in the cave mouth, so how did he get from the slab on which he lay to be standing there in, in the cave mouth, silhouette against the darkness behind him in the white grave clothes? What, what a sight. Um, what one can hardly imagine. The people who but four days earlier had been there when he was entombed and, and the men who put the stone over the tomb and, and yet now he stands there. The, what I believe, just looking at the, the story that yes, he was raised from the dead, he was healed of the disease with which he died and he was then brought by the power of God to stand right there at the cave opening. The, the shark, I, this was something beyond expressions of joy. This, is, this has gone beyond mere rejoicing to 
joy-filled, horrified shock that silenced everybody with their mouths wide open, eyes bugging out as they look at the figure wrapped in grave clothes, standing there in the tomb mouth. And in that silence and in that, what, paralysis of wonder, Jesus said the words. It's almost as if he's saying, what do you do standing there? Go and unwrap the man. Go and loose him from the grave clothes and let him go away from the tomb into the world of the living. As the story. And, and Jesus spoke these words, I say again, to the greater audience, which included us, and said that to us he is the resurrection and the life. And that takes us to that original statement of Scripture, Genesis chapter 3, which tells us all that has gone wrong with the human race, horribly wrong, irreversibly wrong, Mankind at the lie of Satan that he could be an independent God, self-originating, self-lifing, life begins and ends in self. That was the great lie. And that that would work. The system that worked that was what is called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, whereby mankind now, assuming the place of God in his own life, would be the one to determine the good and the evil, and he would live his life uh, trying to achieve the good and avoid the evil, which of course became very complicated because then what is good? For what is good for some is death to another. And you, the, the total horror and mess uh, of life after this happened, life by the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, life then that originates out of me, or as the New Testament calls it, my flesh, my mortality. I'm in charge. I make decisions. And out of that, I will determine this is good, this is acceptable, and that is not. And so it brings in law. Thou shalt not do this. Thou shalt do this. And it brings in performance. Yeah, that, that was the fall. That's the breaking of a relationship with Creator God, breaking relationship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Therefore, breaking relationship, self-divorcing from life, real life, for this other tawdry, shabby substitute for life, which... God said was death in actual fact. It produces all manner of horrific behavior that was never intended for the human. All the behavior of self for myself. If it's good for me, then it's good. And if you're against me, you're evil. If I'm not getting something out of this, it's evil. You see how it works out. It, it's and, and out of that came every kind of unlove, every kind of bitterness and rage and anger, all manner of abuse, all manner of murder, and, well, you get it. It's death. All those behaviors of the dress, of the tomb, they are the behaviors of death life. And it was irreversible. The stone was rolled over the cave where humankind lived out in its darkness and death, what he called normal life. You could say that the stone was rolled over to hide the smell. And certainly the very first image that we have of mankind after this was hiding not by a stone, but hiding behind fig leaves. Don't let anyone see me. I've got to hide what a wreck I have become. But of course, the gospel, that good news that sends a man dancing, 
the news, the news is not another law. That all belongs to tree of the knowledge of good and evil. No, the good news is that the Father, through the Son, by the Holy Spirit, refused by, by the determination, the intention of the love that God is, refuses to leave us in our tomb. Even though we had chosen that, he refuses to leave us there. He determines to bring us back to the blueprint for which we were created. And so the blueprint himself, Jesus, Son of God, joins the human race. And he joined us behind the stone. He joined us in the tomb. Life joined us in the world of death. And then he joined us in death. But because he is the resurrection, he is the life, when he joined the human race, when he embraced the human race in our death, he broke it asunder, rose out of death, and carried us with him, blew the stone off his tomb, and introduces into our human existence a life that is beyond the power and authority of death. That is a life that has nothing to do with performance and laws, but is a response and a rest in the love of God and union with him. That's the good news. That's the news of what Jesus accomplished for you on your behalf as your personal representative. And this is the wonder, when the gospel was preached to us, when that word was announced to us, the Holy Spirit in that word, would you, you do understand me, he called your name. He called your name. <sighs> oh, let it roll over you. He called your name. It was applied to you. It came to you as if you were the only one listening. That news came to you that you were included in his death. And in his death, our death died. And he rose. He spoke, he spoke to you. His love called your name. He recognized you as his friend. He recognized you as the unique individual part of this human race that he included in himself you and do you remember that day maybe, maybe it was over a period of time that you came to know it but you, you were raised from death you came out of that entire system of death the system of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil the system of self for myself you came out of it and it was through the power of Jesus, not only his death, of course his death, his blood shedding, but he rose out from death and he carried you with him. 1 Peter 1, is it verse 3, where it says, we, we, were, we were born again through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. We were raised. We were raised. And, and that, that, in that raising, we had this radical mind change. I mean, that changes everything. Because to us, up until that point, the inside of that tomb, it's darkness, it's death, and it's corruption that was working in us. That was life. It was normal. Now we've realized another life, another world dimension of God love. Radical, we call that repentance. That's what it is. A radical mind change as to who God is. I never knew he was like that. A radical mind change of what Jesus did. He really did rise from the dead. He really is the Lord of life and death. And then a radical new change. Then who am I? I I'm, I'm now joined to life. I'm participating in Jesus. He is my life, my salvation. And we believe, we rest into that. We're alive. Ah, yes.
So far, so good. But you see, and I, and I think that this story um, is put as it is for a good reason. As I say, it overshadows in some senses um, a lot of the New Testament. Alive, yes, but we stand in the shadow of the tomb that has been our life. That, that tomb, that stench-filled tomb that we called normal life. We're alive, but we're still standing in the shadow of that. The fact we're standing, the fact we're alive, that's the miracle. But we are still standing in the shadow and the stench and the echo of the tomb of death. And we're dressed. We are dressed for tomb life. Do you follow? Lazarus was dressed for life in the tomb, if you call it that. Um, and there'd been serious money put into those death clothes. When he was buried, the, the, the big thing, the woman um, associated with the death uh, will, will come and they will put those grave clothes around the body and, and they're expensive, but much more so all of the, the beautiful oils and, and scents that they, they put between the layers. Oh, he had been dressed as best a man could be dressed in a tomb. He was dressed in the best clothes of death that money could buy. But now he's alive. And he's standing there, silhouetted against the darkness behind him, dressed in grave clothes, unable to move, restricted by those clothes. But those clothes suddenly are no longer the best that could be given, no longer reflecting the love of the people that had wrapped the body. No, no, no. Now they are totally out of sync with who this person is. They no longer reflect who Lazarus is. And you see, that's the point of this. We are alive. We have come to life in Christ there's no doubt about it, but there are behaviors, there are thought forms, there are attitudes that hang around us. Well, more than hang, they, are, they restrict us. They are the thoughts, they are the attitudes, they are the behaviors that belong to the tomb. We're alive, but there's stuff hanging on us that... <laughs> in no way now reflects who we are. Even though those lifestyles and those attitudes were given great applause back there in the tomb, we were given accolades for lots of these behaviors, but now we look back and realize they were the behaviors of death, and it was only other corpses that could ever applaud and then comes Jesus' final word, loose him, loose him. That is, can't you see he's alive? Can't you see that he has absolutely no need of those grave clothes anymore? Don't you see that what was once uh, the fashion uh, of where he lived in the tomb, but now they're nothing but restrictive clothes and they in no way reflect the beauty and glory of the life that he has. And he's going nowhere if, if that's where he lives. But loose him, unwrap him, take those grave clothes off, dress him in clothes of the living dress him in a way that will enable him to walk off into the world of the living and be a normal living person. Are you getting this? You have been raised from the dead. Yes, and I mean that. The whole New Testament attests to that. That's not a verse I found in a corner. 
read it in Romans chapter 6 just just for starters but in Ephesians in Colossians and it's referenced all through the rest of the scripture you in the resurrection of Jesus you were included and you now have believed upon him and actually participate in newness of life to the point where your life is called new birth and you are part of what is now called new creation. That's who you are. You are a walking testimony to the resurrection of Jesus. But isn't it time to unwrap and cast away from us all the tomb dressings? All of the... What? The suits and the dresses that so fitted back in those days, but and I'm talking about your behavior, you see, I'm talking about attitudes. They don't belong to a resurrected person. That's how dead world people think. That's how those who are still dead in their sins will act. And that's the only way they know to act. It's normal. But you are not. You have been raised from the dead. Unwrap. Cast away from yourself all of these grave clothes. that once were normal, but no longer fit you at all. These acceptable clothes, these behaviors and attitudes that once were normal look ridiculous in the world of the living. And they restrict us from living this life that is in Christ Jesus. You know what I mean? You know, gossip in the mouth of a person who shares, participates in the life of God is not only sad, it looks ridiculous. You get it? To hold bitterness in the heart and unforgiveness, though that's the way the world lives. But for a person who has seen the love of God, it's utterly insane to still wear the behaviors and attitudes of bitterness and unforgiveness, you see. And I said this spans the New Testament because you will find this same idea is the language that is used in the scripture. Let, let me give you just um, just a quick, quick look at it. Um, in chapter 3 of Galatians, verse 26, for you, and remember this was written to you, he called your name, you see, for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. And that's the language of dress, put on. That is, you have put on the very clothes, the behaviors, the lifestyle, the attitudes, the life of Christ. Think about that. And, and flip over to chapter 4 of Ephesians, where it is speaking of this new person that you are. It says... If you've heard Jesus, if you've met with him and the Holy Spirit has taught you the truth in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former behavior, the old man, which means that which is now irrelevant, obsolete, done, finished, this old man which grows corrupt, that is, behold, Lord, by now he's stinking according to deceitful lust be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which was created according to god in righteousness and holiness therefore putting away lying and then it goes on um 
that let all bitterness, wrath, anger, evil speaking be put away. Do, do you hear what it's saying? It's talking of the whole thing in a matter of clothing that you put off and you put on. Colossians chapter 3 does the very same thing. It's almost a repeat. Um, well, where it's in chapter 3 and um, verse 7. It's talking about all these behaviors in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them, but now you yourselves are to put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie one to another. Why not? Since you have put off the old, the decrepit, the stinking old man with his deeds, you have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. I could keep going, but do you, do you hear this? It's... They're all the time. It's the language that is here. Jesus said, loose him, put off of him these grave clothes. They do not reflect who this person now is. Well, that's what it says there in the epistles. This, this old you, the person you once were, was crucified with Christ, is dead. Your life of death is dead. And your new self is a self that is participating, yes, I mean that literally, sharing in the life who is Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. That, that's, that's who you are, who you are. So he says, it's about time we, we sort of got down to business. It, it isn't that you've just signed some card and said some prayer and some pastor clapped you on the back and said, well, old chap, you're on your way to heaven now. Oh, come on, get a life. Read the New Testament. It's all about now. You have received the life of God through your resting into that life who is Christ. So now, put off, he says, put off. The, the old life, the old behaviors, the old attitudes that do not reflect who you now truly are. Put it off. That, that word, put off. And, and in the Greek language, it's, it's, very, it's an imperative. You, you put it off. That is it, deliberate. There, there's a certain excitement about it. I think if I was Lazarus, standing at the mouth of that cave, um, the idea of someone coming to take off all these grave clothes would be jolly exciting. It's, it's a deliberate, and I will say joyous, exciting, intentional throwing out, which is the idea of put off. You, you throw off the behavioral clothes that now no longer represent who you are. It's what you used to be, but now be done with it, off with it, off with it. It's no longer you cast away from you this, this ill-fitting, this dirty, smelly grave clothes. They've still got the stench of death upon them. Put it this way, th those clothes are now out of date. Right? They were very in fashion in the tomb. Out of date now. Hopelessly out of date. <laughs> You've come into a new world. We don't wear those clothes in this world. They don't fit you anymore. Once you looked like a spiffy course, a corpse, but, but now they, they don't fit. You look idiotic in them. Absolutely ridiculous. Like you're dressed up for Halloween. Come on. Know who you are now. It's, it's, it's not to be... I mean, before they were important because they defined you. You were known on the block for the way you talked and the, your attitude. In fact, some people were afraid of you because of your grave clothes. But that's gone, isn't it? That person was placed into Christ and went into the tomb as dead as Christ was in the tomb. 
and you came out a new person, free. See, um, put off. Yeah, it's imperative, it's intentional, but in another sense, it's a very simple, hear me carefully here, it's a very simple, I mean, it's almost casual. I come into this office and I just put off my coat. I mean, I, it's no big deal. I don't agonize over it. I don't weep and say, I'm trying to get my coat off. You know, I'm trying so hard. I'll get there one of the... We don't pray about it. Put it off. Take off these behaviors that no longer are part of you. Uh, take them off. Dare I say it, it's no big deal. Put off. I mean, there's plenty of other language words that Paul and the others in the New Testament could have used to suggest that this is jolly difficult, but they didn't. They used this word and used it over and over again. Put it off. Shrug it off. Why? You put off the works of the death that came in with Adam. You put off those works because you're dead to it. I mean, come on, may I introduce you to you? You were included into Christ. When he went into the tomb, he died your death. He carried you to death. Death. Death died. That's who Jesus is, the resurrection and the life. Death can't live when he gets a hold of it. Death died. That included you. And he rose, and here you are. So, that's the fact. Now, shuck it off. Throw off the behaviors that were the result of being who you were. Because you're not that person anymore. So what are you doing acting those behaviors? But you see what I'm saying here? There, there was no, what can I say, digging into the past. There was no going back and saying, well, because you had very bad toilet training, you've ended up the way you had. No, 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 no. Look, there, there's, there's, no, there's no focus on the past. There's no belief in the power of your past. It just says, put it off. You can put it off because you're already dead to that. It has no relationship to you. You don't have to go to anger management classes. Because anger in you has lost its authority over you, lost its power. So, shuck it off. That's what it says. You, you don't own it anymore. Well, I, I mean, I've been around for a long time, and over the decades, I, how many people have come to me, and they will address some uh, sin or some habit or something, in, and they will call it my, as though it's their pet. It, it's, it's something that is, you know... <laughs> I, I, I have trouble with my anxiety. Your anxiety? Come on, you're a believer. It's not your anxiety. It's already been taken by Jesus and crucified and buried. Right? You cling to your unforgiveness. You pet your bitterness like it's some pet cat. Look, it's, it's not yours. What are you doing with it? It was taken, carried to death in Christ. It, now it hangs on you like grave clothes that have no real of your life so you don't own it it's not a struggle to get rid of it you don't focus on it and so give it power and authority that it no longer has no struggle no sweat because it has no organic connection to you anymore that's what we mean by the death and resurrection of Jesus. It comes like a meat cleaver and cuts you off. Not you anymore. Paul says, I was crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet it's not I, it's Christ who lives in me. 
to those behaviors no longer reflect who I am. They don't belong to me. Here in Texas, we have a lot of snakes. And at certain times of the year, you will find on bushes that have sharp edges to them, thorns or whatever, or stones, jagged, you will find snakeskin. It just hangs there because some snake in the beginning of its new year had grown a new skin, beautiful new skin. And the skin, of course, was underneath the existing skin. And so the existing skin stopped being his existing skin and became some, well, I don't know what, some bothersome, nagging, irritating, itching, old skin. And so he comes up against something sharp and begins to, and then slithers away, leaving his skin behind him. Whenever I see that here on our ranch, it's, it's, I always think of this. You're a new creation. You have a new skin, a new you, a whole new set of behaviors are the possible within you. And Jesus said, get rid of the old skin. Would you just loose him? Loose him and let him go? He's alive, don't you see? He doesn't need the grave clothes anymore. You don't need the old skin of behaviors. Put it off. I say, again, even as um, I said before, it's, it's an intentional act. This, is, this isn't, you don't wait for it just to fall off. You know, one of these days... One of these days, some preacher's going to lay hands on me and kaboom, I'm going to be... No, no. You put it off, that's what it's saying. It's not going to float away. You don't have to pray about it. God's already made the announcement. As surely as Jesus died, so you died with him. As surely as he was entombed, so you were entombed with him. And as surely as he rose from the dead, you rose with him. Now, so when it says put off, it doesn't mean we are trying to be who we are not. Shall I say that again? Because I know this is the impression many people get in some, some churches that you've got to do this, you've got to be this, a whole bunch of commands. And the commands are given to you, and if you obeyed the commands, you would be what you perceived you're not. And so you might struggle to do it just to please the church and say what would they say if they saw me doing X, Y, Z. But no, that's not it. That's all part of the tree of knowledge and good and evil. What I'm saying is this is who you are in Christ and therefore your old life and behaviors is not you. Let it go. He didn't take the grave clothes off of Lazarus, hoping that by so doing, Lazarus would come alive. You don't stop behaviors, hoping that in so doing, you'll become a great Christian. No, you take away the behaviors and attitudes and thoughts because you already are this incredible person joined to Jesus Christ. And it's about time you began to enjoy it by getting rid of all this stuff that doesn't belong to you, that makes you look quite stupid in the world of the living. Right? Mind you, I've been talking about putting off. It's not only putting off, otherwise that would leave you naked, wouldn't it? Uh, Yeah, we've met some of those. You know, the people who... Their Christianity is, I don't do this, I don't do that, I don't read this, I don't watch that, I don't go, oh, come on, what on earth do you do? Christianity isn't a list of what you're not. You put off, but the assumption is that you put off in order to put on behaviors that reflect who you truly are. In fact, the 
end the finish line of putting off is putting on. You should think about that quite a bit. Put it on. Put on behaviors. Put on thought forms. Put on attitudes that are consistent with who I truly am. Thought forms and lifestyle that is drawn from the resurrection life of Jesus. Lifestyle that is drawn from my being brought through Jesus to sit down with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and live inside the love that God is. Put it on. Go on. Forgiveness is normal to you because that you're joined as one to the God who is forgiveness. Right? See, kindness, gentleness. Mm-mm, that's you. Goodness, tenderness, compassion. Releasing everybody who hurts you. That, that's, yeah, that's, that's you. That, that fits you. Fits you like a glove. Latest fashion in the heavens. Look. It all, you see, it all begins in, in a renewed mind. We read that. It's a renewed mind to begin to think of yourself as you truly are when you realize who Jesus truly is and what happened when he took you with him into death and resurrection. This is who I am. This is not the... Silly nonsense of just going to church to try and do your best and then have religious anxieties and what would Jesus do? No, this is, this is who I am. I am made one with Jesus. He is my life. You see, this idea of put on and put off, it's not something that Paul invented. It's back there in the Old Testament and it's spoken of God himself and it's talking about him well it's a, I won't go into the whole lot in, in Isaiah chapter 59 and verse 17 speaking of the Lord himself he said for he put on righteousness as a breastplate the helmet of salvation he put on the garments and so on I've not time to go any further, except it's there. that Paul took that expression from there, that God himself put on righteousness. Well, does that mean he wasn't righteous before? Of course not. The expression put on means be manifesting who you truly are. So you put off who you truly are not. And you put on, that is, you in this situation reveal in behaviors and words who you truly are. Put it on. As the moments of life, the situations come to us, we make faith choices to, in this situation, be who we are, respond to this, in a way that reflects our true union with Christ. This is what it is. You see, here's an apple tree. Well, the apple tree puts on blossoms. They're unique blossoms to an apple tree. Could never get a cherry tree to look like that. And then unique buds, and then, of course, the unique fruit of the apple. And it's an apple because that's what the tree is. It puts on what it truly is. You put on the gentleness of Christ. You put on forgiveness. You put on tenderheartedness because that's who you are now in your union with Christ. And so, as life unfolds and situations take place and persons pass through my life who say this and say that, so I put on what is necessary, the necessary fruit of the Holy Spirit for this occasion. Do you follow me? Somebody does me hurt, then I put on forgiveness. 
and I put on gentleness and kindness. And as I say, I'm not putting on who I'm not. That's who I truly am. And there are many situations where I'm not sure in the moment. And so I speak to him who is my life, who dwells within me, and say, what do you want to be in me in this situation? Or what, what is the possible of your life manifesting me right now? Or what in this situation are you seeking to reveal of yourself in me? See, the temptation is that we live by old habits. You know, we, we get used to acting in a certain way and, and then if it's a very kind of pressured situation, we, we sometimes revert to habit. And we say things, and as we say them, we know this is no longer who we are. But we say it, because it's, you know, same way as I tripped over the dog. I mean, I don't plan to do that every hour of the day. It happened. <laughs> right? And we revert to habit. We go to default. That's the temptation, to forget momentarily who we are. But then we, we stop. We No, 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 no. That's not who I am, and I choose not to think that way. I choose not to be that way. See, we live <coughs> intentionally. We live on purpose. We're, we're, we're not <coughs> kicked around. You know, we say, well, <coughs> when, when this happens, it makes me anxious. You, no, you, you, you are not governed by a situation that makes you anxious. That's when you lived in the flesh and you were governed by everything that happened. You know, can't stand her being around. She, she always upsets me. Well, you mean that your life is now tyrannized by people and circumstances and you don't have a say in how you live? You see what I'm saying? No. You recognize Christ your life and in this situation I put on I put on your strength. I put on your wisdom. I put on your love. I put on your whatever this situation demands now I choose to be who I am. I, I choose not to pursue those thoughts because they belong to a me that no longer exists. I put on the very thoughts of Christ. Well, <clears throat> I, I guess that's about it. Because you see, Lazarus became a wonder, uh, obviously. <laughs> if, if you had been there when a dead man walked out of the tomb cave in which he'd been entombed, <clears throat> I think you would become a celebrity because you'd been there. Be a, but the man, the woman who came out would be a wonder. You know, the, the people would vie to sit at the table with this person. Have you got it? You are a wonder. In Hebrews, and um, I believe it's chapter 2, it quotes an Old Testament scripture, but it, it's saying specifically that, that Jesus has become our very brother. God joined to us in our humanity, and we joined to him. And it says that we are for a sign and a wonder. When people look at us, they... They're filled with questions. They, they go away where they can't... Because they have beheld a peace that passes human comprehension. Philippians 4. They have come up against in us the joy of the Lord. They have seen a community of people who love one another as He has loved us. You, you understand what I'm saying? a company of people that have put on God's peace, of people that have put on God's joy, of people that have 
put on God's love. And that makes for a wonder. People are questioned. So the Peter says that they shall look at you, see the hope that you have. And hope means that I have escaped the clutches of despair, hopelessness. I have hope that reaches into the futures. And they come to you and ask of you to give them an answer to the hope that is within you. Of course. Because you see, you've gotten rid of the grave clothes and you've gone to the closet filled with the the, the clothes, the, the, the racks are full of all the clothing of God's love. And you put it on as the day demands through the power of the Spirit. You walk into the world and you are in the world but not of the world. Said Jesus, even as I am not of this world. Or as First John 2 says, as he is, so are we in this world. Or again, as Paul says, for me to live is Christ. You're a wonder. You're as much a wonder in this world as Lazarus was a wonder to the people around Jerusalem. Well, there it is. And now the blessing of God who is almighty love, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, bless, bless us now. Bless us in the days to come by opening our eyes to the vastness of this truth that we have shared. Bring us all to the full throwing off of grave clothes and to the full assumption of the behaviors that reflect who we are in you, Lord Jesus Christ. So I bless everyone who listens and declare that is the way it is.